When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Priscilla. Hi. What's your name? Priscilla Boyer. You like Elvis Presley? Of course. Who doesn't? One of the kids listening to these days. Bobby Darren, Fabian, and you. <laughs> Just what is the intent here, Mr. Presley? You got women throwing themselves at you. Why my daughter? Well, sir, I happen to be very fond of your daughter. She's much more mature than her age. 21! 22. That's 22. 22. You don't have to worry about it. Black hair and more eye makeup. I don't know if I like it. What do you mean you don't know if you like it? All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Priscilla, and the story is as follows. When teenager Priscilla meets Elvis Presley at a party, the man who's already a meteoric rock and roll superstar becomes someone entirely unexpected in private moments, a thrilling crush, an ally in loneliness, and a gentle best friend. The film is starring Kaylee Spaney and Jacob Alordi. It is written and directed by Sofia Coppola, and here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Emma Sasek. Hello. Giovanni Lago. Hello, everyone. <laughs> You're not going to really do that the entire podcast, are you? No, that's a lie. <laughs> okay. Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And also joining us as a guest here for this review, we have the owner of Oscar Central, Kenzie Venunu, everybody. Hi, I'm so excited to be here and especially to talk about this film. No, we're really, really excited to have you. I know that you were eagerly anticipating this film uh, up until the time you were able to see it. Josh, you saw it at its world premiere at the Venice International Film Festival. Emma, you just saw it last week. Giovanni and I saw it in New York. Everybody now has a chance to see Priscilla, which is currently playing in theaters from A24. It's very different from the Baz Luhrmann Elvis film from last year, but in its own weird, unique way, a stark contrast, it actually kind of works as an interesting companion piece because that film is told from Elvis's perspective. This film is told from Priscilla's perspective. So who is a better filmmaker to tell that story than Sofia Coppola herself, who has had a very fascinating, interesting career built around uh, not just a female-led stories, but also, too, just really stretching herself as an artist. She always makes very interesting decisions that I feel like are always ahead of their time. And her movies, even the ones that at the time of their release may not get the best reception, over time, it's like you start to see them grow in esteem and get revered a bit more. And Priscilla, kind of right out of the gate, since Venice On, has gotten some of the best reviews since her Academy Award-winning film Lost in Translation. So there was some expectation heading into this. You got two young Hot stars with Kaylee Spaney and Jacob Elordi. Hot in the figurative and, you know, uh, literal sense, I guess you could say. So there's a lot of buzz around this film. What did we ultimately think of it? Why don't we start off first with our guest here, Kenzie. Kenzie, general thoughts. What did you think of Priscilla? I was very 
excited, but also nervous. I'm very familiar with the source material. I grew up reading the memoir. And as um, I think many people know, I was pretty high on Elvis from Baz Luhrmann. But I was really just blown away by the care and fragility that Sophia had with telling this story. And I think that I have seen Kaylee in a few things, but this performance is just such a showcase for her. And I'm a huge fan of internal performances that are very subtle. And that's what this entire performance is. So that really worked for me. But just all of the technical aspects coming together, it's, so beautiful to see the production design, especially given the budget of this film, what they were able to pull off, um, and the costume design and the hairstyling and makeup. It's so intimate, and it just feels like a memory, which is exactly what you really want with a memoir, especially a memoir that's from someone describing their relationship with someone so famous that we all know so much about. Um, but it really did feel just like someone recounting their memories. And I think that is so special. And you don't really see that too often in films that are telling stories of people of the level of Elvis Presley. Um, but I really loved it. I It's my number one film of the year so far. I think it's just so magical and it really like transports you back into all of these different eras so well and to do that once again with this budget is just so crazy but I had the best viewing experience every time I've seen it I am really hoping to go see it again in a theater this weekend because I've only seen it in screening rooms but I really love the soundtrack I cannot stop listening to it and yeah, I just was really blown away by the screenplay also, um, given I'm so familiar with the source material. It's pretty identical. There's like moments that I was like, I remember reading this and like listening to the audiobook and Priscilla's voice and then to see it come to life is so fascinating. Um, I just think Sophia, like you said, she's always told stories about girls growing up and girls and predicaments that are outside of their control that are just so large, like Marie Antoinette. And now this, um, it's so perfect to see her grab this source material and really keep like pay honor to the original source material, but also elevate it in a cinematic language. But yeah, I was a huge, huge fan. Okay. Strong thoughts right out of the gate here. Let's move over next to Emma Sasek. Emma, what did you think of Priscilla? Yes, uh, very similar to Kenzie. Uh, last year, Elvis was very exciting, you know, some flaws here and there with that movie, but you could just tell that people were so high off of the story. The Elvis mania kind of came back. Everybody was dissecting the, the legendary singer, and obviously Austin Butler rose to a whole new level of fame. I thought it was very interesting to see Priscilla told from the perspective that I don't think we've ever really gotten more than a few lines from, um, and that's with Priscilla Presley. I mean, in the Elvis movie itself, she has just kind of a handful of things to say to him, and this is entirely flipping the script. This is told from her eyes, from her thoughts, from everything that she went through, and truly there's no better director who could have taken this on than Sofia Coppola. As it's been said, I mean, she understands women and their inner struggles and 
you know, I love how she can go from these larger than life figures to someone who might be personifying herself or, you know, any other woman on the planet in her films. And it totally made sense that she would want to tell Priscilla Presley's story because she was with a larger than life figure. And I think that she has entirely been sidelined in that period of his life and their life. Um, So to see this young girl um, have her life change kind of overnight um, and to be swept up in a romance with a very charming man. I I just enjoyed feeling like a teenager again for a few moments and then just seeing how quickly that sparkle fades and how lonely it can be for a young person, really anybody, to be kind of swept up in that world and see that it is less than ideal and what you thought your life would be. And I just think that Sophia captures that brilliantly, both in the screenplay and um, in her directing. I think Kaylee Spaney is just fantastic in this film um, and very much shows all of the highs and lows that they experience together. Um, And I I really give a lot of props to Jacob Elordi as well, who had a really tough role with this, where, you know, we're usually seeing Elvis as just the megastar and we're just focusing on his career, but to kind of peel back the curtain and showcase what was going on behind closed doors is a whole different task. And I think that he really did a fabulous job living up to that. Um, so I, I really, really enjoyed this film. It, it's all of her stories feel very, very universal. And like I said, it's crazy to see these larger than life figures kind of experiencing the same melancholy and loneliness and desertation that all of us are, uh, experiencing at some point in our life. So I just, I really enjoyed that, that lived in experience with this film. Okay. All right. Great responses all around so far. Giovanni Lago, on to you. What did you think of Priscilla? Uh, I'm going to be in the same boat as both uh, Emma and Kenzie. I I really did enjoy it. You know, Sofia Coppola is someone uh, I've really appreciated her work, you know, whether it's Lost in Translation or The Beguiled or Marie Antoinette. I even like On the Rocks. I've been vocal. I'm On the Rocks defender. It's a fun (laughs) little movie, and Bill Murray's great in it, and so is Rashida Jones. But, um... You know, Priscilla, you know, fresh off Elvis, uh, you mentioned is just this incredibly stark contrast. And I think that's what helps it so well. You know, it's very much this intimate um, closed door look at Priscilla and Elvis relationship and, you know, certain aspects of the relationship that were clearly not focused on an Elvis or even like to many people don't really know because I, I remember telling my dad about Priscilla and he was I was telling him about, you know, how young she was when they met and everything. He's like, wait, really? And I was like, yeah, it's, it's pretty weird. Wait, wait, you told your dad this, not the other way yeah, around? Yeah, my dad, <laughs> my, yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, not even like people his age always knew every single detail. And it, it's weirdly haunting. I, I think one, one of the most genius things in this film is both the casting for Priscilla and Elvis. And I think Kaylee Spaney is amazing and gives such a wonderfully warm and human performance. And her 
size height compared to Jacob Elordi's is something I'll probably bring up a lot because the height plays so well into seeing them. Like because we see her mature as a woman. I I, I think I'm paraphrasing the quote. I know Priscilla Presley in real life, you know, talked about and she grew up as a woman. She learned every everything she was taught was from Elvis. She never experienced these uh experiences in her life as her own and had established her own identity because so much of it was molded through Elvis himself. And I think, you know, you see her through the lens as a child because that's how you see her at the beginning of the film. And even with all as she grows up and has a different hairstyle to tell at different times, compared to how tall Elordi is, you're just like, this is a child compared to you and you're just like a really grown man. And that's genius. I I, I think everything about um Coppola's direction was really firing really well uh the production design is great and the costuming um i do have certain issues towards the end uh, especially towards the third act where the story felt a bit like it was stalling to the eventual resolution um but other than that i, I really enjoyed priscilla all right first to watch last to speak josh parham what do you think of priscilla yeah uh, as you said i was very lucky to be uh, to have gotten the opportunity to watch this at its premiere in Venice. And for those that are probably aware, I have a um, weird relationship with Sofia Coppola and that I don't really like her movies all that much. So I went into this not really expecting much from it. But as always, I, I hope to be surprised with anything I see. And, oh, I love this movie. <laughs> and that is... That is very shocking to me, but I'm very happy to report that, that this is finally the Sofia Coppola movie that I have attached myself to. And I really do co-sign so many of those other thoughts that have been said. This very intimate portrait, this really great character study, I just very much found myself being invested in. I think her perspective of getting really swept up in this relationship you really find that there's a sweetness there in the beginning even though it's kind of insidious this insidious undertone to it that you can't ignore but you really do understand why she would be attracted to elvis and attracted to the situation and the more it goes on you understand that that freedom that she really yearns for is getting suffocated by this superstar and i found i just really found that dynamic to be so compelling kaylee spaney just an amazing performance. I love the layers and depths that she's able to get with this character. And yeah, even Jacob Elordi, like it's a more reserved Elvis than I think people might be expecting, but I really liked his screen presence as well. And I think that he really sold why you would be attracted to this guy and why he then ends up becoming this very dangerous figure too, that you want to escape from. And yeah, after so many years of being rather distant with Coppola's work, this is the one that like really finally clicked for me. Um, I will agree with some of the thoughts in terms of the third act. I do think that there are a couple things that happen there that kind of indulge in some story bits that I didn't really feel like added too much to the overall momentum. And yeah, it, it does get stalled a bit. I agree with Gio, but... Um, I am a fan of the very, very last shot of this movie. I, it almost makes up for all of that. So, yeah, it's it's not perfect, but I really, really like this movie, which coming from me as a longtime Sofia Coppola skeptic is very high praise. I think this is honestly one of the best films of the year. 
Yeah, I too was pretty impressed by this movie overall. I have been not the biggest Sofia Coppola fan because I am one of those people who finds that over time her movies tend to get better. Um, I feel that way about Marie Antoinette. When I first saw it, I wasn't really so down with it, but on subsequent rewatches, I really appreciate what it's doing. Same thing with The Bling Ring, The Beguiled I warmed up to even since its 2017 uh, release. I can't say the same for On the Rocks, Gio. I've only watched that film once and... You know, we'll see. We'll see over time. But <laughs> okay, rewatch it. I it's I'm so a huge fun. defender too. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I feel I feel supported right now. Virgin Suicides is excellent. Lost in Translation is excellent, and I'm happy to say I think Priscilla is mostly excellent as well. Sofia Coppola really holds nothing back, uh, even losing permission to the music rights in the process of uh, doing so, uh, as she captures the loss of innocence of this young girl into a dark relationship that on the surface as emma was saying and a few others too you know presents itself as almost like every uh girl's dream in the sense of here is this swooning megastar who is gonna give her a life of security and you know he's absolutely gorgeous and it's like this whole new world that's so far different from her own that she just gets swept up in but then over time uh you know it reveals itself to have a very lonely and predatory controlling mood to it all that is something that uh, like you know slowly reveals itself it's very very subdued and it's never hitting you over the head with how it plays um its various cards throughout um and i think the performances match that too kaylee and jacob i think are both really fantastic here um and i agree with what geo said i think the film does start to lose a bit of momentum towards the end but you know, it's hard to compare this with the film from last year because they're just so different from one another. One is a very bombastic, studio-driven film, and this one is, as Kenzie was saying, a small-budgeted, more artistically-driven film. This is just more my preferred style of storytelling. So for those that are wondering if you want us to start making comparisons, sure. I don't think it's fair, though, because I don't think that they're approaching their stories in similar ways that you can make those uh, comparisons. But this was definitely my style. I knew that from the time I saw the trailer and it played itself that way throughout in the movie uh, too. So let's uh, first start off first and foremost with Kaylee Spaney, uh, Best Actress winner over at the Venice International Film Festival. I don't know about you all, but <laughs> I some for some reason had it in my head that there was going to be another actress that would play Priscilla at another point in the duration of this movie. I didn't realize that she would be playing her from uh, 15, 16 years old, however old she is. She's a sophomore, right? So that would make her 15, I guess. She's, she was she's 14. 14. Jesus she was 14. Christ. 14. <laughs> yeah. 14. I mean, yeah. So I mean, as he tells her, you're just a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and as Gio said, she has to play her into transforming into this woman who has to show that she's mature but beyond her years and has to grow up really, really fast. So that in and of itself was very impressive to me that Kaylee was able to tap into that uh, teenage, you know, little uh, pre pre woman energy and then like kind of quickly transition into a full fledged uh, 
ready or not, I'm here from motherhood and, uh, you know, this, this, uh, this, this life that I've like chosen for myself, um, and now dealing with the ramifications of it while still being in her early twenties. So there's quite a journey for this character here. And I was so thoroughly impressed that she played it as well as she did from beginning to end. So that's what stood out to me. But what do you all think? Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, I, very I love this performance so much. And I'm so glad that she won Best Actress at Venice. I found that to be a very deserving prize because, as I said, it's this very, like, interior layered performance where you do get that transition of her being this child who is just so intoxicated by this world and slowly has to realize that while there's a lot of benefits that she's receiving, it's also so suffocating and so isolating too. And and isolation is a theme in a lot of Sofia Coppola's work, but I found I find that the way that Kaylee Spain is able to communicate that by just these glances that she gives that really showcases how lonely she feels and how much she wants to reach out and have these connections with people and especially with with Elvis, but feels like she can't fully get to that and has to work at it on her own. I just thought was brilliantly communicated. I think that this performance is just amazing from her. She's so good in this movie. I agree. I love seeing how she goes from, you know, truly innocent kid. I mean, she's sipping Coke at a diner, doing her homework, like kind of twirling her hair, la-di-da-di-da, uh, has to ask her parents for permission all the time. I mean, just the clothing that she wears, it's like, it's just children's clothing. And then immediately, like after one trip, I mean, she's being told how to, what to wear. And it's like these beautiful dresses. Uh, she's told what patterns not to wear. She's told to wear heavier eyeline, eyeliner makeup. Um, and she just transforms. And I, it was hard for me to realize at certain points in the film that it was the same actress the entire time, because I feel like we see her in like three different phases and she looks so different in each one. Like the Priscilla in the first phase as a kid is different from the Priscilla that we associate with the big black hair and heavy makeup and so entirely different from the Priscilla at the end who is kind of back to a more natural look and, you know, just doing her own thing as a, as a grown woman at that point. But she just, she rides that wave so well. She, uh, you see the, transformation too and just how she acts with Elvis you know from being somebody who so passionately wants to be with him to kind of losing any and all fight left to give and I just I really was floored by her and I just I felt so it's weird to say but it's like I felt so close to her I felt like I just I wanted to give her a hug and everything as she was going through this journey it was it was really really incredible 
I actually um, spoke to her, Kaylee, and she was talking about how she would be, because the budget was so low, that she would be, like, pregnant in the middle of the day, and then, like, at night, she'd be, like, 14. Oh, geez. And she was, yeah, and she was, like, obviously, you never shoot an order, but she was, like, here. It was so hard. But you can't tell with her performance at all. Like, it's very convincing when she's 14, when she's 20, when she's 28. Like, she's so incredible at every stage of it but I also agree with what Josh was talking about that this performance is so internal that she like Kaylee told me she's pretty sure she has less dialogue in the script than Jacob and she was like because all I do is like look around and like give them glances and it's so impactful because like Priscilla didn't feel like she had a voice in her life until she was able to leave him and I think that this movie really and her performance really get that across. Um, Cause like one of my favorite scenes is when she's at the dinner table with Elvis and like the Memphis mafia and they're all like talking around her and she's just like sitting there, but not really present mm -hmm. to them. I think it's so powerful and speaks so loudly about like women in general, their place in the world at that time period that they were just kind of like ornaments. But what I really like about Kaylee's, performance is she doesn't really let her become a wallflower like we're always really with her and following her and able like Emma was saying like you really just want to like hug her you want to comfort her and I think that for a lot of us Priscilla seems really like intimidating as a person like given her stature in pop culture but like this movie really humanizes her and shows that she was really just like a young girl plucked out of nowhere and became this huge figure in um history and it's really fascinating the way that kaylee plays her and i think that her and sophia could be like a new duo like um <laughs> i would love to see them work together i again. i would be very into that um i had a chance to speak with priscilla presley for work last year and i can say that she's a very very lovely woman we got to laugh about the naked gun series together <laughs> <laughs> oh that's amazing <laughs> It's also very interesting to note, too, that even though Sofia Coppola did not have permission from the Elvis estate to use his music in the movie, Priscilla Presley herself is an executive producer on this film and has been very outspoken about how the relationship is depicted in this film, where other uh, family members of the, uh, of the Presley estate have been vocal in the opposite direction. And I don't know about you all, but... When one's willing to put their name on the uh, on the film and say, "No, this is this is what it felt like for me. This is what it was," I'm inclined to believe that person. <laughs> so, yes, we just saw news about Lisa Marie Presley prior to her death. You know, being very very upset about. I think the first draft of this film. Um, and her kind of saying, if you go through with this, I'm going to have to speak against you and and my mother. And, you know, I I can imagine that all of that is very hard for her to internalize yeah. and and talk about it, especially with her father. I mean, nobody wants to see their parents in a very bad light. Not to mention, too, whatever darker sides there were to her father, I'm sure he probably did his best to keep hidden from her. So her perception of things is probably just her own exactly that perception. I think that like with especially that and it's obviously very sad that Lisa Marie isn't with us to really like share her real thoughts present day now that because like Emma was saying it was like an early draft. Um, but I think like you're saying Matt like you can be a great father and your children have no idea that you're a terrible husband 
And yes. like being a husband is not the same thing as being a father. And they're totally. like treated so differently. And that's why like, I think a lot of people are like reacting the wrong way to the Lisa Marie emails, which also like, why are we reading a dead woman's emails? Um, but I just think that like Priscilla, like you're saying, Matt, like Priscilla's approval of this is really all that matters. And like, I watched an interview with Kaylee where she was talking about like Priscilla's reaction the first time she saw the film. And she said like, that's the only review that mattered to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that is so like, you're telling her story. And I think what a lot of people forget is that like, Priscilla was very young and like, when she wrote this memoir, it was like, I think it was like 10 or 12 years after Elvis had passed away. Like it wasn't so far removed. And even since then, Priscilla has said there are things that she wrote in the memoir that she kind of regrets the way she worded it. Mm -hmm. But I think that like, especially people who, and this like, she says repeatedly that the relationship was only emotionally abusive. But like when you move out of any sort of abusive relationship, like, your perspective on it changes, especially if there's children involved. I think it's very hard to look at it. But I do think, like, until he died, they were really close. And, like, I mean, there's those images of them leaving divorce court holding hands. Like, they they, they came together for Lisa Marie. And I think that's also something that maybe, like, is hard for, that was hard for Lisa Marie was, like, she saw them in a loving way with each other and she never saw the ugly. And I'm assuming seeing that, like Emma was saying, like nobody wants to see their parent painted like that, mm-hmm. even if it was true. So sure. But I think, I think this movie did a really good job of not being like the anti Elvis movie. And I do think that goes yeah. to something we were talking about before we started was like the reaction leaving the movie for audiences. I think a lot of people went into this hoping it was like this movie that was like, screw Elvis, he's evil. And I don't think that's this movie. No, and I think that that's a very interesting uh, way to also approach the material too because it yields, I think, far more interesting performances from the actors. Um, (laughs) It's been well publicized at this point that prior to this year, I did not think Jacob Elordi was like that great of an actor. (laughs) (laughs) I liked him on Euphoria, but like his film work left a lot to be desired for me. And I saw him in this movie at Tribeca that I also was like, oh my God, I don't like this movie. But then when I watched uh, The Sweet East, Saltburn, and Priscilla, all back to back in the span of just a few months, I I can finally say I've done a Channing Tatum on this young man. The the 180 is complete and I'm all in on what everybody else is drinking from the Kool-Aid straw here because he is really, really great in this film. I love the subtlety with which he plays Elvis. I think his more explosive moments are shocking like they really jolted me out of my seat when they happened but also too you can see how the pressures of living the life that he's living on the road with the movies the concerts the fame and you know all the stuff with the colonel from you know the uh the tom hanks and the Baz Luhrmann film is all kind of like in our minds when we're watching this too and he gets mentioned here and there but like you know you start to see the drug use and uh the 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 transformation of how he's gaining a little bit of weight and he's becoming a little bit more uh, sluggish and not so charming and youthful as he is in the beginning of this film. And all of that just informs the performance so much more to make it one that it's like, do we agree with the behavior? No, of course not. But one can understand the behavior. I entirely agree. Um, I kind of said it a little bit earlier where he really did have a tough job having to tackle the 
the man behind everything that we usually associate and see with Elvis. Um, and I think, uh, as Kenzie was saying, um, Coppola could have just made it like the anti-Elvis movie, but I think she, I think she really shows that, you know, he's grieving from his mother's loss. He's far from home. You know, Priscilla was this kind of welcome, welcome presence in his life. Um, although yes, of course, 10 year age gap between them. That's, that's not that great of a thing to happen between them. Um, and then I think also, you know, she shows that he's at the end of the day, he's a guy in his twenties who he wants to hang out with his friends. He's, you know, hooking up with his, uh, co-stars on all these film sets to be quite honest, like would any other man not do that if he had like this incredible, huge amount of fame? Again, it's not like trying to excuse him for all these things, but I feel no. like it's more trying to show us and give us a little bit more background about it. And of course, I mean, it was the 1950s, 70 years before our time right now and how, how things have changed since then. I just feel like it, it gives a lot of context and just helps you, I don't know, form a more informed opinion about him and get a better image of just this whole setting from both people. No, he wanted her to be essentially a uh, glorified housewife, someone yeah. that he could come home to or call whenever he needed, but he didn't want her to be a part of his life on the road and he wanted to keep those two things separate from one another. So it's like, especially the depiction of Graceland in this movie, we, we all have in our mind what Graceland is and images of it and, you know, so on and so forth. And it's become such a widely visited tourist attraction that in this movie, you really do get the claustrophobic sense of it becoming a metaphorical prison for her. And that's the stuff that I thought that Sofia Coppola did so brilliantly in this was kind of creating this suffocating environment where she starts to realize that she is losing her agency and she's losing her identity. She can't get a job for herself. She can't really do anything without his say so. And he controls her life pretty much. I think also uh, Sofia Coppola does a great job because you, you're describing it in this way and like you see in her face as she slowly starts realizing she's like, oh, I can't go a job and oh, I want to study with some people and have friends over. And it's like, no, no, no. And realistically, you're like, why would anyone subject themselves to it? And I, I think, you know, the film doesn't present Elvis as this incredible, like super demon and shows like his allure, like the reason like, oh, this is why he can like just charm his way out of any situation. Like the scene I remember when I saw it at NIF, when she came outside and he gifted her the car for what was a graduation yeah. for high school. Yeah. And is just a Lordy looking all glamorous standing in front of the car. Like I heard the crowd cheer when that happened. Like they were like, wow. And you know, it's, it's easy to see like how, and he, again, when they're talking privately in the beginning and, you know, compared to the bombastic flair that we saw in Elvis last year with Austin Butler's uh, show of Elvis or like the showman, we know it, it's very more subdued and, and calm and reserved that there's this very inviting feeling that uh, Elvis gives in this film. And it is, feels like it's in a way bait like you say, and then once he reels you in, it's just you can't get off the hook and it's just a struggling to do so. 
Right. It, it's a very much more, as you said, kind of reserved and grounded portrait of, of Elvis that they create here. And you find that in Elordi's performance. And I personally do think that's really effective. It actually makes Elvis seem like more of a, a human character. He's not this larger than life figure that so many people recognize. And I think that's what creates actually the connection, the emotional connection that Priscilla has with him even stronger, that he actually really does feel kind of approachable. He feels like somebody who can exist within your own orbit, but you're still so attracted to. And I think Alordi manages to capture that really, really well. And like, you totally get how charming he is. Like you mentioned, even in that scene, I love the reveal right before where all the nuns are around him. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I love that little image too, but it just shows you like everybody is so attracted to him, but he doesn't feel completely unapproachable either, which is sort of a weird take on Elvis. But I love that interpretation here, the, both the way that we see it in his performance and how he is constructed through Coppola's screenplay. And I think that makes their relationship so much more palpable and makes it feel so much more believable that she would fall into this relationship and get swept up in this environment, but kind of maybe not immediately see how overwhelming it is in the beginning until she's knee deep into it and then has to break free from it as she slowly comes to that realization. But I think that tactic is so effective in the storytelling and in the character development. And taking it even step further than that too, by not portraying him as some God, as someone that's beyond the existence of human, that in turn allows for Coppola then to take the themes that she wants to tackle with this story as, a, as an entry point into all these other real life experiences that people will be bringing with themselves and their relationships into this movie and can hopefully either learn something from that and apply it to their own life or if they see it happening to a friend of theirs or something along those lines. Now, I'm not saying that you know, you have friends or anyone here on this pod is all of a sudden dating a, a famous world-renowned music artist or something like that. No, not necessarily, but we can be more attuned to the dangers of that allure and attraction and what might be lying underneath the surface uh, that can come along with it. And that's, to me, I think that's the, the reason to make the movie to begin with. Elvis and Priscilla are just the identifiable figures that will draw the audience in. You, you could have made this story about two original unknown characters, but it may not have gotten the kind of audience that it's getting. And so as a result of that, I think that using them as an entry point to discuss these larger themes is, is a stroke of brilliance on Sofia Coppola's part and is well-fitting within her filmography, too, and what her voice has represented for many people throughout her entire career. Yeah, and I really think that um, by them actually not having his music is honestly really perfect for the film. It kind of creates like another void of separation that Elvis kept from Priscilla. Like we mm -hmm. brought up the colonel and how he's just a phone call. Like you don't, thank God we don't see him. Um, <laughs> but thank God Tom Hanks didn't make a cameo. I know, could you imagine? <laughs> But, like, I think that Priscilla always talks about, like, she had no idea about anything going on in his life, like, professionally. And, like, you were saying that, like, Sophia doesn't paint him as this, like, unattainable stage icon. Like, he is just the man that's at home with his wife. But, like, he was this huge superstar. And I think that anyone who's ever really, like, been with someone who's 
famous or has like a high power job, like you need to talk about your work at some point for it to be like a healthy relationship. And I think that's part of like their downfall was like, he just kept them so separate yet. He was this huge icon and not just music, but like American history. And the fact that he kept them so separated, like it honestly, like not having his music makes it all the more real of how separated she was and how isolated she was from his life. And like the scene where he, asks her opinion on a song like his anger in that scene seems so much more vicious because like he almost let her in and then he immediately was like putting up a wall and just regretted it yeah but i i really think that she did such a great job of like painting like showing how he really kept her at arm's length until they were in the privacy of his it's so funny that Graceland is all white and beautiful. And I spoke to the production designer and she said that Sophia wanted Graceland to feel like a wedding cake. And then like his bedroom was like all black so he could sleep all day. <laughs> like that was the only time he was really like the real Elvis. And like that only Priscilla really got a glimpse of that. Yeah. Yeah. I especially like how the one time that we do see Elvis on stage in this movie, it's shot from behind, almost implying that, um, Priscilla might be seeing him from backstage. Um, I'm not saying that that's a POV shot. I'm just saying that like in a metaphorical sense of like how, what we're talking about here, about how the movie never depicts um, Elvis on the road because Priscilla didn't see him on the road. But if she had, that's the vantage point that she would be taking uh, if she did. Um, and the music, and I'm very curious, what is everyone's favorite needle drop in this movie? Because I thought that there were some pretty great ones throughout. And I love especially how she was able to take music that even though it wasn't uh, performed or written by Elvis, still made it feel like an Elvis film in, a, in an odd way. I think a lot of it was because the type of music sometimes mimicked his and other times uh, just was fitting for the time period. So uh, what tracks stood out to you guys? I mean, the finale is going to be yeah. my, my yeah. favorite. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. that really does sort of save a part of the movie that I, as we talked about earlier, is maybe not quite so engaging. You know, it, it does sort of meander a little bit in the momentum stalls. But like once we get towards the end and the official breakup between the two of them and we hear the Dolly Parton song, which not only just works so well for that moment, just in what that song is, but if you also know the history of that song and how it almost went to Elvis to sing, but he wanted a big cut of the royalties on it. And, and Dolly Parton said, no, I want this song to belong to me. It takes on a whole new meaning for that ending and why that song is playing. And I think it ends the movie just beautifully, both on, as I said, this sort of metal level, but within the narrative itself and her finally getting her freedom, but also recognizing where she has come from and, and the journey that she has been on and sort of how complicated those feelings are. I think it just wraps things up in the best way possible. I completely agree with you. I also really, especially liked Crimson and Clover. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. loved that. Yes. For their first kiss. Perfect. Mm. Oh, so good. And I just love that first lyric. Now I don't hardly know her. <laughs> I was like, you gotta be kidding me, Sophia. Like what? But it's great. Brilliant. <laughs> too perfect. Way too perfect. Yeah, I, I do not miss the Elvis songs at, at all. And no. part of that is because I don't really care for Elvis's music all that much. So I don't miss them personally. But I also just think thematically we don't need it because, as we said, this is from Priscilla's 
point of view. She was not in that world at all. So I think being absent from hearing his actual music is totally appropriate for the story that they're telling here. Yeah, I think it was such a, like, it's obviously, I'm sure she would have loved to have one or two songs, like, somehow mixed in. But I think it really worked in the film's favor to not have any of his music. And what did you guys think of just, like, the, the like, the subtle things, too, in the relationship? Like, I'll give a good example. Like, when they first meet early on, he has a tendency to very gently, but still, like, pushing her and, like, kind of... Like, like he's like showing her around the room, but like he grabs her arm and he does it in a way where it's it can be seen as aggressive, but also like it is gentle. And then uh, Giovanni, you brought up the height difference earlier and how casting Jacob Elordi is almost like this towering presence over Kaylee Spaney works in the film's favor of that relationship dynamic or even when he presses like his hand up against the wall and she's got her back towards the wall and like you know he's just like looming over her um what, what do you guys think of like those very subtle moments or were there any others throughout in this movie that you guys picked up on well i think they all work very very well to obviously show who's in control here who is the one who is gonna dictate what she's doing what where she's going um i also he also just always in refers to her as a child i mean obviously yeah. 10 years worth of a difference my of baby and things like my that baby, little be one a, be a good girl uh um, she is literally a child yes <laughs> I, I also like too, and just in terms of the dynamic of the relationship when she does have those moments where she asserts herself a little bit more um you see him just like kind of crawling back no, no, wait a minute. Wait, wait. <laughs> you know, well, like, like when he tells her he wants, like when she's, um, I think she's eight months pregnant and he's like, I think we should take a break. Yeah. And then she's like, okay, let me know when to go. And she just leaves the room. And then he, um, he didn't get the reaction he wanted. Correct. So yeah. he immediately changes his mind. And I think that like, it shows that like, obviously, and I think something a lot of people are forgetting is that like, the dynamics of relationships were very different in the time period this is set. Like, women weren't really, like, women couldn't have credit cards. Like, it's very different. And, like, she didn't have an education because she gave up her life to go live with him. Um, but, like, the moments where she did assert herself, it was, like, she did have some sort of power over him. And mm -hmm. I do think that, like, the memoir doesn't even really get into this because, obviously, we would need to know from Elvis himself his perspective. But... Like, we'll never really know, like, what it was specifically about Priscilla, given, like, the amount of, honestly, young girls being shuffled in and out of his house in Germany. Like, we'll never know, like, what happened that it was Priscilla that he was so taken with. But, like, the film does a really good job of showing, like, there are moments where she, like, has something over him. And it's really fascinating to see those moments play out because... It's so funny because still Kaylee's performance is so internal that you're not really hearing it. You're just so much seeing like the glimmer in her eye of like she knows she is standing up to him and like ticking him off a little bit. And there's that one moment where, you know, I think she's basically telling him like, you're cheating on me. I don't like this. And then he is basically like, you know what? I think it might be time for you to go back home to visit your parents for some time. Oh, and he like starts packing bag. stuff and she just entirely loses it. I mean, that's terrifying to see because, you know, just 
she truly is like walking on eggshells, one wrong move, and she can lose this, she can lose the ideal life that she is probably wanting for herself, this man that she wants to be with. Um, and it's it's very interesting how, as time goes on, the 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 scene that you referenced about how she was like, okay, I'll I'll go whenever you want me to go. You just see she's losing the fight. Um, you know, he is, I don't know, really thinking like, oh shit, she really is going to leave me. Um, so it's just, it's incredible to see those changing dynamics. That scene in particular with the bag, it didn't really like sink in for me so much. How scary, like the way you're describing it, Emma, what made it like all the more real and terrifying for me was when he calls out to Joe, his road manager, and says, Mm -hmm. Joe, get her a ticket on the first flight out of here. And it's like, oh, shit, he can do that. And you know that Joe is doing it. (laughs) Like, like, if he says it, he's got an army of yes men around him that are ready to make his every wish and command come true. Um, And that's. Yeah, that's that's terrifying to go up against and defy in any way, shape, or form. And no one and no one's gonna stand up for her. They're like, whatever, she's just a girl. Yeah. Like, who cares about her at the end of the day? There's gonna be more where that came from. Right. I also want to comment too that I especially like um the brief moments that we get in this movie of Priscilla's parents' reactions to all of this. Especially her father, uh, who I believe is what was he? He was a captain, right? Um, but I like how Early on, like there's this seek of approval that has to happen, that has to go through him for everything. And he's kind of like, yeah, why my daughter? What is your intention here with my daughter? And the way Elvis approaches it is from a place of honor and respect. And, you know, you could tell he's coming across as that good old, uh, <laughs> you know, that good old boy who's like, I'll have her home before, you know, 2200, sir, or whatever. And... He's being really, really polite about everything, but yet still, the the dad, you can just tell. He's like, "Mm, okay, I'll allow it because I don't want my daughter to hate me forever, but something's fishy here. Something's not right. Right, and and that's another element that I think kind of grounds the the tone of this movie that makes it so effective because this isn't a situation of like, here's this big flashy celebrity who's just storming in and is just, you know, you know, throwing money all over the place and saying how great he is and just steamrolling the parents. Like, no, he comes at it like you would in a normal situation where you have a concerned parent of their child getting into something that doesn't seem appropriate. And then the guy comes over and introduces himself and is all very proper and formal. And like you can, it makes it so much more relatable, this situation. It grounds it in a reality that, as I said, makes this whole relationship that you didn't see play out feel so much more impactful because you have these more relatable entry points that you can recognize. And I do like how that dynamic is set up. I like how then we go from that further and you see the manipulation that Elvis just applies to everybody. Um, Another scene that I really liked is when they go shopping and he is picking out all her clothes and telling her how the makeup is done and Reminded me a bit of uh, a scene in Vertigo, (laughs) you know, it kind of evoked that for me a little bit. And just seeing how much he is really focused on controlling the situation and seeing how her for Priscilla, that's like a moment when 
she then understands like, okay, I un- I'm starting to see the cracks here. I'm starting to see how I'm being pulled back from what I want, but I'm still so invested in being in this environment that I'm willing to go with it. And it's like the first moments where we see her resistance and it just builds from there. But as, as I said, all within this very grounded, relatable atmosphere that I just think makes it land with so much harder of an impact as you keep going through the narrative. She really traded one lonely place for another lonely place when you think of it, going from the airbase where nothing's going on, doesn't want to be there, to a place where everything's going on, but she is not, she can't be a part of it. I I also love the scene where they're having a party downstairs and she's trying to do her homework and there is like no, no possible way for her to be able to do this. Well, one of my favorite things about the movie is that I'm pretty sure it's like an hour in she graduates high school. Mm-hmm. So it's like the storytelling itself is like, hello, look how young this girl is. Like, like the whole time. It's like the high difference. There's also like characters, too, who are commenting about how young she is, like when she walks in a room. Yeah, like gossip. the first time she comes there, there's two girls that are like, how old is she, 12? And yeah. I'm like, if you guys are whispering about this, like, what is the situation? Yeah. <laughs> like, how often is this happening? Like, Yeah, exactly. Uh, what I want to do before we get to final thoughts, um, I want to give uh, you, you all a chance to talk about uh, some crafts in this movie. Um, in particular, I was a really, really big fan of the cinematography here by Philippe uh, Le Sword. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but um, really, really great work here. Really, really liked it, as I said earlier, in contrast to the work on Elvis last year. Not to say that the work was bad or anything. This is just a preferred style uh, for me. There's like one shot in particular where the two of them are kissing behind some fireworks that are going off in the background that Mm -hmm. i was like oh my god i was like what a great shot that is the whole thing feels like a home movie almost Mm, and i really love that because um you know like especially like polaroids are a big part of the priscilla elvis story and um i feel like the whole movie kind of feels like that and it feels like captured moments that like the public have never seen before and i really think that goes to like honoring the memoir and I really think that Sophia and Philippe to have like a really great chemistry of director cinematographer just like nailing the themes through the camera like that it's really powerful yeah yeah really like the cinematography uh, another craft that I also loved was the makeup and hairstyling which obviously is a little bit more on the subtle side than we normally see uh, with other movies that tend to get those kinds of notices. But I think it just informs the character so much, especially with Priscilla, because that makeup transformation is all on her getting swept up in this world. And quite honestly, I think is meant to make her look older so that Elvis maybe doesn't feel quite as bad with what he is doing. Mm -hmm. You know, he's trying to actually age her up. And I think about that, like one of the most impactful scenes for me is when she's about to deliver um, the baby. Oh my God. And before she leaves, (laughs) she is putting on eyeliner and, and, you know, fake eyelashes and doing her hair. And it's like, even before she goes out to have a child and going into labor, she feels this obligation to make herself up because obviously Elvis wants her to do that. And Mm -hmm. I think that as I said, just informs so much about the character. And even though the makeup and hairstyling is not very flamboyant, I think it does so much to inform us about this world and these themes and what these characters are going through on their journeys. And I think it's brilliant, brilliant work to showcase that. 
And like one of my favorite things with the hairstyling is like in the wedding, um, when Priscilla's mom shows up, she has like the Priscilla hair. And it's like so funny that like her mom was like influenced by Priscilla herself. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's so <laughs> cute. But I love the the hairstyling in this film really like tells the story of her going from like young to like Josh is saying, like she had to age herself up. She had to fit in. She had to please him on every level. But then like as she's getting more confident to eventually leave him, she goes back to her natural hair color. She's not doing the big mm-hmm. beehive. And I think that's really important with the storytelling, but also staying true to like, you can look back at Priscilla and all these photographs. So it's really impressive. I do love that by the time she leaves him at the end of the movie, she has her normal hair back. I, I really, really love that choice, especially. And I, as I was saying, she's so unrecognizable by that end part, too. It's incredible. Um, I also mentioned this earlier, but I really, really love the costume design in this mm. film. Every every dress, every fabric and print was so, so beautiful. I on, I was like kind of looking at everything she was wearing. I was like, okay, which one would I wear if I could raid this woman's closet? This well, one, that one, I all of them. I sure <laughs> thought of Emma with the, um, when she shows up to LA when she's not invited, the hat with the matching dress. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Emma would love to wear this. Uh, I was thinking of, um, uh, I was actually thinking of Emma during the, uh, the fitting scene where she's trying on all the different outfits. And I was wondering, oh, I wonder which one Emma would like best here (laughs) all i know is and i was going to mention this in my final thoughts but i will mention it right now once that little white poodle came out this movie had its teeth in me (laughs) (laughs) love that dog truly great dog great dog all right let's get over to final thoughts uh so Kenzie, this is the section where we basically either reiterate or we mention something that has not already been mentioned. I'm going to start off first with Giovanni Lago. Haven't heard you in a little bit here. So, uh, Giovanni, final thoughts here on Priscilla. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And action. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Hearing everyone talk about it makes me wish I got the chance to see it again before. I, I feel like there's so much more I, I can pick up on the second time around. Although I, I still really, I really enjoyed it. I feel like I, I would have a deeper appreciation um, another go. I just want to talk also about the the costume design. It is just every dress and intent, especially with like Elvis managing what clothes she had to wear. And it's like, oh no, keep these colors and everything is sticking to that whole color scheme. And and then the makeup I, I think is so essential to the story of aging Priscilla on the outside. But, you know, since it's still um, Spanny playing her the entire time, it, it, it keeps that childhood sense with her. Weirdly enough, like contrast is, it, it reminds me of how like intentional for like the five bloods 
um, when Spike Lee uh, with the actors, instead of, you know, doing the de-aging stuff, they just kept them the same age for the flashbacks, but they were older to represent, like, how they feel, you know, going back and forth in time like that. I, I had the same sense here with um, how the makeup and hairstyling was used uh, for Priscilla. Although, funny funny enough, as the times go on in the decade, it just feels like the hair just gets higher and higher and higher. <laughs> But I, I agree with everyone. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's probably, for me, one of my more higher regarded Sofia Coppola films. I do really like her filmography as a whole. So I, I think another viewing would kind of solidify that. But I, I really appreciated this film. It's very good to have a film like this come out from this perspective. Because, you know, throughout history, we're always kind of told this one thing, this one side of, especially and someone like Elvis in, in, in American, you know, mythology. It's like, oh, the king, you know, and, and this person who's held uh, with such high regard, but, you know, everything that's always propped up and shown like that isn't always what it seems. And, you know, you do get a, a deeper sense of another side of this individual and the, the lives he, he kind of affected through his actions and how Priscilla um, ultimately had her life. I wouldn't say robbed because, you know, it, it is in a way, you know, it, it's such a murky thing. It's not such a simple, like, everything was completely wrong besides, you know, of course, Elvis grooming her. But I just, it's it really refreshing to see a film from this perspective. I, I hope that when people go see it, you know, um, the conversations that come from it will be, you know, very interesting to hear. Yeah. Agreed. Kenzie, on to you. Final thoughts, uh, something that you didn't get a chance to say that you want to bring up or something you just want to reiterate? Well, I would like to defend the ending that oh. people feel is too abrupt. By um, So the memoir actually starts with a prologue about um, Priscilla recounting when she found out Elvis had passed away. And then it actually ends with her leaving Graceland. Like, that is how the memoir ends. And then there's an epilogue where she's, like, looking back years later on it. But, like, I think that the ending stays really true to the memoir. And I think that's what's really important here to remember is I saw a lot of complaints that it didn't explore who Priscilla was as a person. It didn't explore how she got to this point in her life. And the memoir is titled Elvis and Me. And I'm glad that the movie is entitled that. But, like, I think that's something important to remember that this movie isn't really like a cradle to grave biopic it's not like it's not telling us priscilla's life story it's telling us priscilla's story of her time with elvis and i think that it starts with how she got into the situation and it ends with her leaving the situation and i think that's all i wanted from this movie and i think that if people want more information on Priscilla as a person they can read about her I don't think that this movie ever set out to be a biopic um but I just feel really grateful that Sofia Coppola got to make this movie I think it's really like we were all talking about um Sofia just really has a great hand at telling stories about girls venturing from girlhood to womanhood to motherhood and to really just finding them themselves like through their own eyes. And I think that Priscilla's story was perfect for that kind of storytelling and for her as a filmmaker. And I do want to say I was the biggest Austin Butler praiser last year. I don't, I didn't had no idea who he was before that other than once upon a time in Hollywood, 
But Jacob Elordi is so good in this movie, and I really just don't want him to be shoved aside because it's obviously a more subtle performance, but I think that's I it's my one of my favorite supporting actor performances of the year. And I don't want us to forget about that. Um, but yeah, I love this movie so much. I really hope that it does well at the box office and more people see it. I mean, Jacob Lordy, in my opinion, already won the most prestigious prize of 2023, and that's to convert Matt Neglia into a fan award. Yeah, so. <laughs> all right. All right. Good final thoughts here. Emma Sasek, over to you. I guess just to reiterate that this is one of those examples of like a perfect marriage between finding the right director to tell this story. Mm. I, I don't know who else could have done as good of a job as this. I mean, Sophia has shown us time and time again that she is, she explores women's psyches and the good and bad times that come with womanhood and girlhood, motherhood, as Kenzie just said. So this was a really exciting thing to see. I, um, it's one of my, more favorite Sofia Coppola films. Um, and I just think that Kaylee and Jacob had really tough jobs in this film. I mean, it is hard to take on iconic figures um, and especially one, a story such as this, which we had talked about with different family members having different thoughts about it. Um, and of course, the person who it is most about still with us and you have to kind of see did we get it right is this is this accurate um and i think both of them really stepped up to the game i i don't know what i expected in terms of their performances i was a little nervous you know thinking oh gosh what is it going to be but they both really really blew me away and um i i hope that more more things are to come for both of them and i think they are so this was awesome this was a very very enjoyable watch great josh parm how about you? Uh, well, first of all, just circling back to the uh, the costumes, I will also admit one thing that I did like was the nice little touch where the gun accessories. Oh, a gun <laughs> for each outfit? Yes. Oh, my God, <laughs> no, that yes. Was, that was very funny, too. I, I liked that. I got a chuckle. Um, uh, and then the other thing that I would just mention is that in regards to that third act, uh, I I don't really have so much of a problem with the actual like finale of the movie because, as I said, I think the way that it ends is is beautiful. Uh, but I do think before then the movie kind of gets into this like side plot of Elvis and like kind of like this religious new age thing that he's sort of doing. And I have to admit that was a section of the movie that kind of lost me a little bit. I, I just didn't really find that that section was particularly interesting in terms of their relationship and it just felt like it was already kind of spinning its wheels a bit in terms of the themes that it was exploring i didn't really feel like it had much momentum there and then we get this kind of drug tripping scene that also felt a little like it was beautifully filmed but didn't really add that much to the narrative for me and and that was a section of the movie that i did feel like as I said, I was a bit arm's length with and it lost me a bit. But by the time we got to the end and we have that final confrontation between Elvis and Priscilla and then her eventually leaving, like that brought me back in. But that was the section of the movie that didn't really work for me all that much, I, I have to admit. But everything else really, really was effective. And as I said, as for me, as somebody who's not really that much into Coppola's filmography previously, I found myself rather shocked how much I was being engaged and captivated by by the story and these performances. And 
yeah, it, there's, it's not a perfect execution, but for me, it's really, really, really effective. I want to co-sign on what Josh said about the ending in the movie. It's not the content of the ending that bothers me so much. It is this feeling of the momentum of the movie kind of stalling a little bit. Because I do feel like leading up to that point in the third act, the movie's actually on such a roll. Um, you can tell that this movie was longer than the 113-minute runtime it ended up being. It feels very choppy, but deliberately so throughout. And there are even some sections where I questioned, is this missing? Like, we don't see her actually go through the childbirth. There is a lot of buildup to Elvis telling her when they're in bed together, no, no, honey, we need to save her this, and we need to, this is a sacred moment. And it's like, when when do they have sex for the first time? We we don't see it. And what was that like for her? That might have been a deliberate choice on Sophia's part for reasons that I'm personally not aware of. But it did seem to me like that there were moments throughout this where, hmm, I wonder if there is a longer cut. And I'm sure there is. Maybe. She said she cut 10 pages out of the script before they started shooting because of the budget. Mm. That's unfortunate. But they didn't they didn't shoot anything else. She said they cut 10 pages out of gotcha. the script. Yeah. Well, I didn't have a problem with the way the film was cut and edited and how it flowed until we got to the third act cuz I did start to get this feeling of okay, like I know how this ends. We all know how this ends. It ends with her leaving him. So like let's let, let's let's get to it, you know? <laughs> and it was like this feeling of leave his ass. Go, girl. Um, and so when we got to it, it was like Josh said, it pulled me back in. I was satisfied with that ending. I didn't need to know more. And, and like Kenzie said, if you need to know more, you can go read, read books on the matter because they're out there. Um, I love Priscilla's introductory uh, shot of how her the way that Kaylee just turns her head towards the camera. The camera's pushing in. It's a real movie star close-up moment that I just absolutely loved as a first reveal of this character in this movie. Really, really got to me. Uh, what else we got here? Um, love the various montages, particularly the pool uh, scene. Kenzie, you mentioned earlier, this movie feels like... Um, like almost like a picture book um, and in a way it's kind of going through old photographs. And that was one where she played around with like the filter to make it seem like it was like a, like a home movie uh, being shot around uh, the pool scene. And <laughs> Jacob Lordy, my God, when he gets out of that pool and the sun is on him, he's all wet and he's crawling over to her. I'm like, dude, come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> yeah, I did also love the montages uh. in this too. And particularly this movie does it correctly where so many other movies like this fail, which is the montage of dates that normally in most other like musician biopics, I cannot fucking stand. I hate them so much because they always are the same and they're so boring. But I love the, the way that they were able to execute them here, that passage of time where it's not just dates that flash and performances that you see. There's actually like a little bit more creativity to uh, communicate that. And it was another decision that I thought was very, very well done in the movie. I like that scene where he gives her uh, the drugs to help her sleep. She wakes up and he's all like, oh, baby, you've been out for two days. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, he just says everything so casually it cracks me up but man that pillow fight scene uh two times i've seen the movie now and when he hits her with the pillow audible gasps in the crowd both times i mean 
it's a good moment to get a reaction from the crowd. That's for sure. And Sophia really nailed that moment uh, extremely well. And that's that's it for my final thoughts here. Um, I think, as I said earlier, I think this is her best film probably since Lost in Translation. Um, it's not perfect for me, but I, it's it's as close to perfect as I think we could have gotten. And I think that even some of the things that they were limited by, as we mentioned earlier, music rights, budget, she found ways to make it work in her favor overall. Um, I definitely think it's one of the best films I've seen this year. A few reservations aside, even Jacob Lordy impressed me in this. I'm giving this an 8 out of 10. Giovanni, how about you? I am also at an 8 out of 10. Emma? I'm giving this a 9 out of 10. Nice. Josh? I am going to be an 8 out of 10. And Kenzie? I'm a 9 out of 10, but I just want to say when Josh posted from Venice that he loved this movie, I literally screamed and ran around my room. We I all did. So, Kenzie, we were all I was shocked. Like, <laughs> I am living life. I have never felt more on top of the world. There were two things from Venice this year of Josh that shocked me. That and his reaction to Maestro. I was like, whoa, we are going to be eating good this year. <laughs> this is how Josh feels. Basically, we got, we got um, past the tough boy. Yeah. <laughs> I need Josh to see everything before me so I know what the landscape of what is to come is. Josh viewing a movie is like the final boss level. Yeah. It's like, oh, be. <laughs> if we can get through Josh Farm, then we are in for it. <laughs> Love it. Okay, awards potential here for Priscilla. This is going to get a little dicey maybe. Kenzie, you know what? You're a huge fan of this movie, but I know that you probably have your expectations in check. Where are you at today with this? I do think that Kaylee is in as of today, especially the fact that she's been out there, I think is really helpful. But I do I think the the Venice Best Actress cord, like, um, correlation is a little steep to ignore, even if she wasn't the only actress out there. Um, I think it'll be in consideration for costume design and hair and makeup as well. Um I do think it should be in consideration for adapted screenplay. I think that category is very um, stacked this year, but I think that it could be in the in the mix. But I think that it's like lead actress, costume design, and hair and makeup. And I think if they really went for it, production design, because I do think what they did is so impressive. But I think, once again, that category is really stacked. Okay. All right. And I kind of agree with a lot of what you're saying here, where it's like, a lot of these are worthy but fringe contenders because they, they might get pushed out by bigger, flashier, more even widely seen films within the Academy. Kaylee, though, I go back and forth on this nearly every single day. I could see a world where she does get in. And as of today, she's my number five, actually, in the category. I'm still waiting to see Fantasia Barino in The Color Purple. She's the final lead actress in a movie that I have yet to see this year. Um, but that will determine where I ultimately land on this category, I think. But today, if you ask me, I think she gets in because you're right. Having her out there on the campaign trail, the Venice Best Actress win. Um, I do think that this is the first Sofia Coppola film to come along in a while that has real prestige and Oscar buzz attached to it in a way that it could it could trickle in on onto her and get her in there. What do you think, Josh? I'm, I'm curious to know. Oh, man, it seems like that right now is the best shot for this movie to get into some place, because I do think the other categories are getting 
a little bit more competitive. I mean, Best Actress is competitive as well, but like adapted screenplay feels like we've already got four spots just sewn up right now. And so yeah. it's really, really hard to break into that. And I do think that that she has a really, really good chance right now. Yeah, she has been one of the only people allowed to campaign for her movie. So she's been more visible than other contenders. And I think that this movie, even I feel like those people that aren't maybe so sold on the overall film, everybody seems to have such positive things to say about her performance. And I think that maybe is sort of the way that you have her ranked, man. I don't think that she would be high in the category, but she, but the passion for her might just push her into the final five. I I think it's not guaranteed, obviously, you know, it's a pretty, you know, she's not a really big name. And I think that movie has to really last in the conversation, but I think the potential for it is very, very high and people do really respond to this performance, even if not for the film overall. So I, yeah, I think it could be sort of 50-50 right now, and we'll see how the season plays out. But I do think she stands a really good shot at getting nominated if the support continues for her throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, this year, too, with Golden Globes having six nominees now, if she can't make it into the drama lineup, that will be a clear sign to me that her chances are done. But if she gets into that, chances are alive at that point. She could get in at CCA. Maybe she gets that BAFTA nomination, too, because we know that they don't tend to go for the obvious top fives. So I could see a path. I I, like, I could definitely see a world where she stays in it to win it. And by win it, I mean getting a nomination. <laughs> and, you know, outside of that, though, the, you know, with the craft categories in particular, it is really, really tough when you literally just had the film last year get, what was it, eight nominations, right? Mm-hmm. So... That, I think, is going to be really, really tricky. Like, in costume design, I'm taking a look right now. I have it at number seven. Uh, makeup and hairstyling, I... Oh, Jesus Christ, I don't even have it in the 10 for makeup and hairstyling. Oof, maybe I got to correct that, actually. But, like, you see my point here. Yeah, and I think it will be a contender in those categories, but how highly it will rank, I I don't know. And as you said, it's, it is more on the subtler side, especially in comparison to Elvis from last year. You know, it's... It's still very, very strong work, but it is not as flamboyant. And unfortunately, a lot of times you need the flamboyance in order to get recognized in these craft categories. You know, it's not correct, in my opinion. You know, we should be championing movies that don't always have to be such flashy displays, but it's just sort of the nature of the race sometimes. And like, I think it will be in the conversation for those categories, but I do worry that it won't get very far in terms of the precursor support at the end of the day. I was going to say real quick, I know Kenzie mentioned the adapted screenplay and funny enough, I think honestly, I can see Priscilla being like a lone screenplay nominee because Josh mentioned, you know, feels like four of these are kind of locked up and adapted. And I feel like that fifth spot is really just a, what's gonna be there you know is it gonna be another potential best pick contender that just gets carried in there or is it gonna be a film that someone else really likes and i I could see you know sofia coppola winning or having won already a a screenplay oscar you know maybe with priscilla that could be like a lone a cool lone screenplay nomination where it's like okay that's cool in the conversation for sure, uh, definitely a part of a, a 10 lineup, I would say. Um, we got to see how the season shakes out. Yeah. Do we have any more uh, thoughts or mentions here for its awards potential? 
Um, I just wish that I could be in the conversation for cinematography. I like all of my favorite cinematography from this year are things that I know won't get nominated, but I think this is really a great example of cinematography being really utilized to tell the story. And I wish it could be in the, and I can't believe it was digital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really blows my mind. <laughs> I was also just about to shout out the cinematography, so you and I were on the same wavelength there. (laughs) No, but a good call out there about it being digital, too, because it does have a very filmic, uh, replicated look about it that kind of tricks you into thinking it might have been shot on film. But, yeah, good call out. I've heard some people say Jacob Elordi, supporting actor. I have said it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the I'll believe it when I see it. So like if I see the precursors going for it, OK, then I'll start to believe it, you know? Yeah, I, I think he it's will be getting subtle. a lot of breakthrough notices <laughs> yeah. for sure. I, I think he'll get a lot of those citations from critics. I don't think he's really going to break into the supporting actor lineup because that's also another category that feels like it's kind of firming up with some spots and not as much as fluidity at at, at the moment. So I don't really feel that like that's going to happen. This feels more as a you had a really good year. We'll probably cite you for that. And then maybe down the road, something else will come up that will get you for what Josh, Josh, the kissing booth was not a breakthrough performance <laughs> for you. I mean, all right. No, all jokes aside here. Um, this has been a really, really wonderful uh, review. And Kenzie, I really appreciate you taking some time to be here with us to discuss all of this. Can you tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you and your work on the Internet? Awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy I got to be a part of this discussion, especially I wanted to talk with Josh about it since he saw it in Venice. But you can find me at Kinsvenunu on all social media platforms and all of my work, including a bunch of Priscilla interviews next week, are at OscarCentral.com. Yay! We love Oscar Central. Thank you. And Emma writes there sometimes, too. Yes. Yes. Sometimes I pop up. <laughs> yeah. If you want to see more of her work there, you can definitely check that out. And speaking of which, Emma Sasek, where can I find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Emma underscore Sasek or on Letterboxd and Instagram at Emma Sasek. Giovanni Lago? You can find me on Twitter at the Giovanni Lago. And Josh Parham? You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at J.R. Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Priscilla here on the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Hello, this is Gary Chachot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. 
our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.